If you forget what I'm going to speak about today, I want you to remember my first point that is critical, and that is that strawberry Pop-Tarts are a farce. <laughs> Did you know that Kellogg's was recently sued on behalf of Illinois consumers because strawberries are imperceptible in strawberry Pop-Tarts? Uh, they actually say it's less than 2%. There's dried fruit like dried apples, dried pears, uh, and dried strawberries, all within Pop-Tarts. But what makes up the majority of the ingredient is red dye, all right? Uh, and that gives you that red appearance. They violate the Illinois Consumer Fraud and Deceptive Business Practices Act because of the misrepresentation. So, there you have it. You know, Israel had the same problem, not with Pop-Tarts, but they were billed as God's chosen people to live their lives for the glory of God. And their fruit was actually imperceptible from the culture around them. That's why Hosea was written. It's a description of what life would be like, the last chapter of Hosea, of what life would be like if they repented of their idolatry and rebellion against God. God, as you know, had promised a land to give to Israel and great blessing and that their influence would spread far beyond the promised land. And instead, they rebelled. They barely had any fruit when they were supposed to be a testimony to God's goodness to others. And so chapter 14 is about painting a picture of what life would have been like if they repented with their whole heart. And so it's a reminder to us today, repentance is a word we don't talk much about, but is it not needful for us today? True repentance, it's something that we aren't very good at, right? We like, to, we like to couch our apologies in terms that give excuses, but repentance doesn't do that. We talked last week about some of the things that are necessary for repentance, and I'd encourage you to listen to last week's sermon if you'd like to know more about that. But today we're going to look at some of the fruit that comes from repentance. Let's all stand as we look at the rest of Hosea chapter 14. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the wine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressions stumble in them. Father, May you continue to teach us. May our hearts be open. May we learn again from Hosea. May we be 
a body, a church that is familiar with repentance, that makes it a regular part of our lives because, Lord, we all sin and we are in need of, in seasons, at times, turning to you completely and repenting. Make it so with us that there be a, a regular rhythm of confession and repentance in us as a people. That we would humble ourselves before you and see you as the holy, righteous, powerful God you are. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take roots like the trees of Lebanon. Israel had been going to Baal whenever they had a problem, particularly whenever they were short on water. And God is reminding Israel that he is the one who provided this with the mention of dew. The moisture is what causes plants to sprout. It's what gives life. And this is a picture of how God would bring Israel back to life. The nation would be revitalized if they turned to God. Listen to the psalmist speak to the sufficiency of God in all things. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. All that I have that is good comes from you. You know, there are many who obtain wealth. In fact, by looking at the statistics around the world, we're all wealthy in this room, right? If you make a, over $35,000 as a household, you're richer than 95% of the people in the world. So we're all wealthy, okay? But many who obtain wealth often feel it's because of their own doing, of their own ingenuity. And God is not thanked. He's not often recognized. I recently talked to a man who had a multi-million dollar company, hundreds of people employed, and he and his partner lost control of the company, and investors shoved them out. It took years to build the company, and just like that, it was gone. Not the company, but their influence. You know, such things can be weathered when we know that our security rests in God. And I hope that that's going to be the case for those folks. But we have to realize that every good thing we have comes from him. And it ha it's a key to us having contentment no matter how much money, what kind of car, what kind of house we have. It comes from him, and he's a good God to us. It says that a person will be like a lily. A lily is incredibly productive. One root can produce multiple bulbs, and it, 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 uh, the growth is rapid and beautiful. And when people repent, that's a way of expressing beauty just like the lily. So there are people who give life. There are people who are beautiful. There are people who walk into a room and they're not trying to grab all the intent, uh, attention. And instead, they give life. There's a beauty to their countenance. Others have to grab the notice 
They're too insecure to care about others around them. They're afraid they might miss some attention. The trees of Lebanon, they have roots that run deep, that make them immovable. You compare this with the real description of Israel, because he's saying you could have this like trees in Lebanon, but in reality, what they were was like Hosea 9.16 says, Ephraim is stricken, their root is dried up. They shall bear no fruit, even though they give birth. I will put their beloved children to death. Their roots are dead, but God can make them alive again and cause them to be immovable. Time, along with deforestation, has led to a decrease in the number of cedar trees in Lebanon. And, but the ancients used to refer to the cedars as a sign of strength and maturity. And so would Israel be when they would surrender to him wholeheartedly. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. Shoots refer to branches that will spread. An olive tree is a symbol of lasting beauty. The fragrance of the trees of Lebanon added to a rich aroma of being pleasing to others. Again, the idea is that influence and beauty will increase. Consider that even Israel had the job of making God famous, and even though this term wasn't used, evangelizing. Isaiah 52, 12, uh, 10 said, the Lord has barely, has bared his holy hand before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our Lord. Isaiah 42, 6 says that Israel was to be called a light to other nations. God has always wanted his people to be a blessing to the world, to be a blessing to the community around them. But why is it that churches are so concerned about how they look, about their brand? Even that thought with churches makes my skin crawl. But the temptation is for a church is to be concerned for our four no more. And only people who agree with us in every detail, who look like us, are going to be welcomed. It's our hope that here at CCC, we strive to bless our community and not be creating our own silo. Yes, it will stretch us, but our goal is that we will make God famous and not our own ideology, whether it's political or not, or not our own brand. I'm grateful for the years that we've had of doing Advent conspiracy with tens of thousands of dollars going out and blessing this community and beyond. I'm grateful for the annual trips pre-COVID to Guatemala where we have continual support of the Bethlehem care point. I'm thankful that I was able to minister in Beirut this year and that our church has blessed Syrian refugees there and now we continually support one of the missionaries there in that area. I'm thankful for the building and support of Elevate Lives in which we took a Sunday off 
And we had a horde of us go and serve in our city to help build homes. The point is that we have not sulked about the pandemic, but we've been intentional about serving and giving this year. Your beauty, your fragrance has gone beyond Farm Road 115. And may it continue. I don't want this church to at some point in history to disband and nobody will ever know that we existed because it didn't make any difference in the community. People will never know that we were here. All we were concerned about was our building, how big our building is, you know, how much we're growing, blah, 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 instead of really making a difference in the community and the world. That's why God has us here. It's not about building our own little kingdom here, but blessing. The gospel does that. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. The return speaks to Israel, returning to the promised land after the exile, if they repent. Those who return could enjoy the protection of God as under his shadow. Psalm 121.5 says that God is described as a, a shade from harmful influences. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. It's just like any loving parent who cares for their children. And I remember when we had four kids, three and under, and we would go to the mall, and if our kids were walking around, I would freak out if I would just turn and didn't see one. You're probably like that too. That parent who's looking intently, making sure that you have your kids, particularly when they were small. Now when they're older, you hope you lose them and they get away. But no, <clears throat> no, no. But the, the, the point is any loving parent does that, right? God is that a hundred times more. Looking out as a shadow, caring, providing for his loved ones. But not only would this be for his people, but it would be for foreigners as well. And if a stranger is sojourning with you or anyone is living permanently among you and he wishes to offer a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, he shall do as you do. For the assembly there shall be one statute for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you, a statute forever throughout your generations. You and the sojourner shall be alike before the Lord. So the concern was for others as well and to bless them by our presence. The Israelites looked to Baal for fertility, but it was the Lord who blessed them with the population. If they return to him, they shall enjoy a rebirth of the nation that germinated like the seed of grain. They're going to be enjoying the covenantal blessings of God. He had promised them. They'll be like a vine that provides continual fruit, or like a wine that has a reputation as the best in the land because of its quality. Remember the first miracle that Jesus did publicly? Turning water into wine at Cana? It was not cheap wine. It was the best wine. It's a sign of the kind of work that God does in others. He doesn't make cheap substitutes. 
O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. The Baal idols are made with human hands. They are an inanimate object. They do not live. They're just things. There's no real comparison among man-made idols and the living God. It's, it's foolish, isn't it? It seems insane that people would put their hope in an inanimate object, in something that they had made. And yet, is that not the nature of sin? It's like a temporary insanity. When I talk to people who have left their family to the arms of another lover, they forget their spouse, they forget their kids, it's like they've gone insane. They can't see the future of what they are doing to their family. What's going to happen? And there'll be usually much regret later. But temporarily, they're not thinking. They're just responding to a passion. And under the current cultural concept of freedom and choice being idolized, a moral insanity also takes place. Thinking any choice I make is what? Good for me. It's the height of arrogance thinking that I'm like God. And everything I do is right. It's right for me. Are you the standard? Are you the moral plumb line? No, you are not. We are blind. We are fickle. Our flesh is filled with passions that run against what is wise and good. Christ alone is righteous, and any righteousness I have has been imputed to me or given to me by him. So I am not the plumb line. I am not the standard. He is, as he's communicated it through his word. So like Israel, we're to renounce all previous dependence on idols and we're to find our strength alone in the Lord. The identity and purpose of God's people grows from the recognition and acknowledgement that he is their sole provider. Baal worship or any other form of worship will only serve um, as hindering God's fulfillment of the promises that he's given them. Any other form of idolatry. Divine love is symbolized as the evergreen, the pine tree, which is sometimes called the cypress. It's a durable tree. It's to be a sign of God's covenant love for his people. We have talked about this before, but I think as we end in Hosea, it bears repeating, I think, one of the foundational truths that help us to understand this book because sometimes it can almost seem like God is speaking out of both sides of his mouth. I mean, how can there be this separation with the people of God? And then, you know, there's this talk about 
God's covenant. I don't get it. Well, I think there is an explanation. Under the Mosaic law, Israel would enjoy a relationship with God as long as they were obedient. You did this, you will be blessed. You are disobedient, this is going to happen. This is going to be the consequence. But there was also an Abrahamic covenant that God would never leave them, that God would bless them, and that under that covenant, he would give them all of these blessings, but it was based on the will of God to his children, right? So you had the Mosaic covenant, God is going to bless you for your obedience, and then you have the Abrahamic covenant, that God is good to you, that he has chosen you, you are his people, and that never changes. But sometimes the blessings over here can change. God yearns for Israel to repent. He wants to restore the relationship. And what is used as a way to illustrate this? Hosea's marriage. Hosea's marriage to Gomer, right? That was the backdrop of the book. Our relationship with God is like a marriage. You can have issues that break intimacy, that impact the relationship, that impact the fellowship, even a separation, but you're still married. That's the fellowship aspect of our walk with God. Fellowship can be broken. It can be deterred because of disobedience. But then there's a covenant aspect to marriage, similar to the Abrahamic covenant that God made with Israel. It's not based on Israel's obedience. 